Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. Every week we talk fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making things happen in the industry. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and on today's episode, I sit down with Jane Siskin, founder of contemporary fashion brand Sinkasset. Jane's career spans many brands, including Elizabeth and James, Seven for All Mankind, and The Rock, to name a few. She tells me why she still believes in the wholesale model, how access to more data is changing her approach to business, and what marketing tools are working for Sinkaset, which is French for five to seven. And no, it's not based in France. Hey, Jane. What's up? What's up? Welcome to Z Podcast. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good. 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 We have so much to dig into. I feel like you have this career that spans... I decades, decades, brands that you've had your hands in a lot of things. I have. Yeah. So talk to me. So right now you're with, well, Sink, we, I know you from Sinkaset. That's where I first kind of got your name, got right. to know you. Tell me about Sinkaset. Uh, well, Sinkaset is definitely a labor of love. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, there's been so many things that have led up to this moment and, you know, having an amazing team working with me and all the experience that we've had that led up to this has really been it's sort of like the culmination of everything and the the results that we've gotten and the success we've had in a very short amount of time we're only three years old is wild. is wild yeah so um yes yeah, like I said is it you know it's a beautiful advanced contemporary lifestyle collection we we it spans from day to night. Um, everything is done with a feminine lens and through sort of, I hope, uh, a filter of good taste. If it's my taste. So if that's not good, I don't know what to say. But that's sort of how we like to we like to see it. Um, Sankaset means, for us, what it means is the time of day when the light changes and anything can happen. And I think that that is sort of the way people wish they looked at life even if they whether they do or they don't I think that's the way they wish they could look at life so I like yeah. it yeah. I think I was maybe thinking of it the wrong way I was thinking five to seven maybe it's what you wear post work when you're kind of going out maybe a happy hour um, but I did I kind of when you first launched maybe was thinking of it more so as like dresses maybe some suiting um, have you expanded to more categories more day wear yes because you know at the at the end of the day, it's a business. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a student of this business. I've been studying it my whole life. And so when we identified the opportunity that was there, we have slowly immersed ourselves in all of the different categories and really kept very consistent in our aesthetic, mm -hmm. but have really embraced the entire you know, life cycle of the week. So, I mean, we, we were dying yesterday because this woman was wearing, and she looked great, but she was wearing this lavender silk slip dress with feathers across the top to drop the kids off at school. <laughs> so whatever, you know, you don't know what people's lifestyles are. So, yeah. you know, we do, our, our idea is that we want you to look cool and pretty for 
every single moment of your life. She's looking around. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's not my version of (laughs) drop the kids off to school, but I barely get out of my pajamas. But (laughs) I mean, she's like, all these moms in their sweats, please look at me. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So when did Likely come around? And tell me about Likely. That was after Sanka Set. No, actually, Likely came before Sanka Set. Stop. As you know, prior to this, we did Elizabeth and James for many years. And we had a very strong dress business. And we thought, well, there's an opportunity to do the same type of dress at a more opening price point. Because what we saw very early on was that we, we, were, we, were, we were delivering a more upscale product, even with Elizabeth and James, at a more digestible price. And so we thought, okay, can we do this at a more digestible price? And so that's how Likely came to be. Um, and we have grown that pretty quickly as well. It's really only we still we, you know at the beginning we kind of played around with a lot of different things but now it's strictly a dress brand and um, you know it's it's a, a very approachable for contemporary mm-hmm. an approachable pr- price point we try to be in the from probably 185 to under 300 is really where we are priced and it's a very deliberate focused you know Instagram ready type of product. You know, we nice. know that the the this more millennial customer has wants to look different for the photo. Yep. And so we try to make that attainable. That sounds good. That makes sense. So tell me about the lay of the land. So Elizabeth and James, that was also under um, Jaya Apparel Group. And that is also kind of the umbrella company for um, Sankaset and Likely. likely right now. Um, any other brands that I'm missing here? <laughs> no. Um, so the company started as a mass a mass market brand, fast fashion, juniors, girls. We sold to Walmart and Kohl's and Target and all those kinds of people. You know, back in the day, Macy's and the May Company. I'm going back a long time. Yeah. And um, we just recently exited our that mass business. It was. It's the kind of thing that, just like anything else, I feel like if you don't live it and breathe it, it's very hard to really be in it. You can't put one toe in the water. Yeah. And were so, these private label brands? What were the mass they were, brands? Well, they were. We for the last two or three years, it was mostly licensed. We did a lot okay. of work with Disney and Marvel and those okay. kinds of people, and we did like lifestyle collections for kids and juniors for the mass market retailers. Fun. It was a lot of fun. That was a good way for them to introduce fashion to their customer because. No matter what we've done, almost always it's been fashion driven. Yeah, but we it became incredibly competitive. The price points were going down, costs were going up. I mean, you know, same old story. Yeah, and and we had these two living, breathing brands that we felt like let's put all of our eggs in these baskets and let's really go for it. Um, there just seemed like a, a a really big opportunity for growth um, right now. You know, there there aren't that many, you know, having a new brand with none of the new brand problems is very unique. Yeah. And so the retailers were very, very confident that we'd be able to to accomplish our goals. And they um, they really got behind us. So that made a big difference, too, because we weren't starting out like, you know, begging for floor space type of a thing. Right. Which is really hard. Yeah. So um, we decided in January of this year to, uh, sadly, because it was what I did my whole life, shut it down and um, just concentrate on contemporary. 
Got it. Am I making this up? Was The Rock part of the mix? It was. Stop. No. I feel like it should make a comeback. Like it's that time. <laughs> All these brands like was it nineties era? When uh, it? Yeah, it was it was um no, it was early two thousands. It yes. was sort of when you know also that Seven for All Mankind was from our company. So yes. Lorac was really the solution to what are they wearing with the jeans because nobody could agree. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm just going to do something that is what I think they want to wear and you guys can try to figure out what you think they're going to wear. And um, it was really great. It just, Lorac was, a, I learned an important lesson with Lorac because Lorac was all about the talent, the design talent. And when that, when I lost those people moved on, it was very hard to recreate. Because there was an essence there that I didn't know how to capture without them. It was very interesting. And okay. It was a very important lesson. Now, what we do is much more about, honestly, my essence. Yes. And so that way I can control it better. <laughs> because when you know, it, it was an interesting lesson. But Lorac was awesome. And I think about it all the time. And I still own the name. And I would love to bring it back. Yeah. It's so iconic. Yeah. Oh I think God. so. Yeah. So Likely and Sinkasset, like they started as wholesale brands. Is that still a large part of the business. Talk to me about why you went there and why that was kind of a good launch pad. Okay. You know, I, it's what we do. It's yeah. what we know. Um, <laughs> there are so many new models today and it's changing so quickly. And, you know, we wanted to build brands that were ready, like that were going to be ready to change for the future. I think that um, the wholesale model is something that we know. I don't really want to be a retailer, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think that... Um, I understand that everybody is running to open stores now because I guess the rents are cheap and Madison Avenue is wide open, so people are opening stores there. <laughs> I just feel like for us, uh, there are other ways to tell our story, and I'm looking for those ways. You know, e-commerce is certainly a way. We're growing that very um, aggressively. We've just started our marketing program in the last three or four months, and we've seen really good success there. Um, you know, finding ways to have a dialogue with the customer without being in brick and mortar, I think is the trick. Um, we'll see. I mean, we, we definitely spend a lot of time on the road. We are in the stores a lot. We're talking to customers a lot. I do a lot of specialty store events. I do a lot of department store events. And that's really, honestly, the best source of information. And it's also really where we can gain our most avid supporters. These women, I hear a lot of, I can't pull that off. And, and, and I'm like, yes, you can, you know, of course you can. And, you know, once you, once you start to understand why they think they can't pull it off, then you can really think about how to, to put it on the rack and, and have them see it and, and think, hmm, maybe I can. And, you know, because we do fashion and people are afraid generally of fashion. So how do we get that message across and, and how we make that clear is really, really the whole game. And um, we learned so much about that from, you know, from the customer themselves. Very cool. But yeah, no retail for me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not right now. No, thank you. It's very hard. Yeah. I feel like last time we talked, either you were just launching e-commerce on your sites or Mm -hmm. it was very, very new. How long has it been going on? We really did a soft launch um, probably a year and a half ago. I would say we got really serious about it maybe a year ago. Mm -hmm. Um, We are hitting our numbers, if not exceeding them. I mean, luckily, the business is very good. They, the customer really likes the product right now. So that, of course, helps make 
the business better. Yeah. Um, but it's that's challenging. I'm competing with my customers, and so you know, how do I do that in a in a in a respectful way? And that is very important to us as well. Yeah. What's the secret? Is it exclusives or having a different mix? I think it. I think it's more about curation mm-hmm. because we really you know we get to send a message every other day, and you know you don't get that kind of support from your retail partners. So we can we can speak have a dialogue. And speak about what we're excited about on a more frequent basis, which I think is important. Yes. So marketing program launched three months ago. Tell me about what went into that. Was that new, a bunch of new hires? No, we have an outside firm that we're working with. Okay. Um, is a lot of learning. Uh, <laughs> I still don't really understand everything. <laughs> but we had the opportunity to go visit with the folks at Google, which was really helpful and really insightful. I think that there are plenty of ways to learn. It's just, it's like an information explosion and it changes so rapidly. You know, there are new features on Instagram and Google and, you know, different ways of selling product and it's changing constantly. So we um, are just trying to stay on top of it and ahead of it. And we are hopefully working with experts who can, you know, help us with that. It's, um, I mean acronyms that I don't know. <laughs> yes. Was Google talking paid search and how to shop mm-hmm. through images? And yes. Things? Yes. Yeah. Got it. I mean, that whole shopping feature is f- fantastic, but you have to really, it's, it, it, I'm not saying it's not expensive by the moment, but it's yep. expensive when you roll it all up. And it's just a question of, you know, how you, how you want to really invest in that business. But I almost, I almost feel like it's the right place to put your money because again, you're engaging your your customer. Yes. And what else is there? Yes. I don't know. I used to make th- cute things, ship cute things, sell cute things. It was very easy. <laughs> this <laughs> doesn't work so anymore. Complex. Jeez. So right now you're looking um, marketing spend, Google, Facebook, Instagram. Is that kind of? That's pretty much yeah, yeah. It. There you have it. Yeah, yeah. How's email working for you? You're doing an actually. Email. We get a really great, really good lift on emails, great. and um, we're really happy about that. I think that again, very consistent in our messaging. We speak French. I don't know what that means, but whenever we use French, <sighs> I, you know, there's a romance to it, and I think people like that. And we, I kid around that we're a French brand. Obviously, we're in, from New York, and actually, the company's based in LA, so. <laughs> Very confusing. Everybody thinks you're French. <laughs> Go run it, with it. Wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> but um, I think that we, you know, the idea is that, you know, we we have something to say. Yeah. So why not say it? Right on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're going to stores, what are you finding? First of all, are your wholesale partners are they becoming you know more nimble, more willing to work with you? Are you able to kind of have more say in your presence on the floor and maybe your your drop schedule? Are you on the usual schedule? First of all, yeah, yeah, seasonal. Yeah, we're on a traditional schedule. Yeah. I'm going to say that it depends. Yeah, I mean, business is not great at retail. Right. Um, the, the customer, I, I'm sure you've heard this from everybody. They're spending money on experience and food and, you know, definitely not spending as much on clothing as they used to. Um, so it's tougher. And so for what I believe, and again, this is maybe an old school way of thinking, but I believe that when the going gets tough, you should be more aggressive and bolder and take more risk. Yes. That's just what I believe. Not that easy to convince everybody of that because they're being held to, you know, to inventory levels and they're being held to gross margin numbers. Obviously, they have to. It's a business, just like I said earlier. Yeah. But 
I think we get better results with those that are more aggressive and take a little bit more risk. Just a little harder to prove that. You know, specialty stores, we have a really nice specialty store business. And these people are nervous because of the rental platforms, because a customer will come in their store and try something on and then go on their phone and see where they can get the best price. And it, you know, it's yeah. hard. So, yeah. What's your take on the rental platforms? I know you're at <laughs> Rent the Runway. Yeah. <laughs> it's the future. Yeah. Um, you know, all the research po- is pointing to that people are less inclined to own things. I mean, I think we're all going to be, we're not going to own cars in 10 years. We're, you know, everything's about temporary and being able to switch and being nimble. And I think that it's the future. I, I don't know with a brand this young, you know, I'm not sure that we need to do more than what we're doing. It's a wonderful introduction to our brand. Yeah. In other words, somebody can rent it, try it on, see how they feel about it, and if they, and hopefully they love it, and then they'll be more apt to buy something. Yeah. So in that regard, it doesn't bother me. Again, you know, I like to make cute things and sell cute things. So <laughs> anything beyond that, I'm like, wow. But when you talk about the the risk, um, risk averse wholesalers, are they are retail partners? Are they? Does that mean that they're probably going for some of the more basic styles, or what? What do you think is more like taking a risk? I think taking a risk is um, really about you know getting aggressive with with any number of things, with inventory, with fashion, with um, you know brand presence. You know, I think that um, some you know, get stuck. I've done so much business with this brand for so many years. I'm afraid to reduce that. Mm -hmm. Well, with all due respect, perhaps that's not such a good idea anymore. Like maybe you need to fund something else that's growing. Not necessarily even my brand, but like there's tons of new things that are happening. There's all these new Copenhagen brands that everybody's all excited about. Like, you know, give give the customer a new experience through product. Right. So, you know, I think that it, it's hard to fit everything in, and I totally understand that. Curate. I You don't have to have everything. Yeah. You know, take a risk and say, I'm going to have this and I'm not going to have that, rather than a sea of stuff that overwhelms the customer and they walk around and they don't know what to do and they leave. Yeah. So there's different ways of looking at what taking risk is or what being aggressive is, because for different stores, it's different things. We'll be right back after this message. Is everyone telling you about the danger of kind of relying on these wholesale partners? Or has have any of the department store maybe closures or changes, has that affected your brand? It has not as of yet. Yeah. Um, I hope it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, you have to kind of have your head in the sand if you don't think that it's a scary time for retail. It is. Um but I, I'm not give, I don't think it's time to give up on retail. I just think, again, it's about, you know, it's on them to create experience. It's on them to get the customers in the store. I can only, I can deliver beautiful product, but, you know, I can't bring, what does it say? The bring, make the horse drink, like yeah. can, whatever that expression is. Like, I, we can only do what we can do. And then it's on them to, you know, get the customer in the stores. We push, we push hard to do in-store events and we have customers come in to work with us and we do styling events and we do little presentations and those really work. So the more of, so the customers are hungry for 
that interaction. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who still like to go to a store and like to feel like they're part of that community. And it is for some people a community. Like wherever, when we go to certain stores, like especially like in Florida, we see the same faces all the time. They're part of that store's community. Yeah. And, and nothing wrong with that. As long as they come in and buy something, I'm cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> come on in. Yeah, so, exactly. Have you done pop-ups, shop-in shops? Um, any... You don't want to be a retailer. I don't want to ask that you're going to open a store anytime soon. But <laughs> what's your experience so far? We do have um, what I'm going to call soft shop and shops in many of the, the the major department stores. I think that it's important, and I say this all the time, and this is part of that curation I was talking about. People want to be told what to buy. And so if you have a large presence, the assumption is that you that, that store is telling them to buy your brand. Mm-hmm. So that works. Um, you know, if you're just sort of a few hangers dangling in the corner, you know, in the it, the old school of thought is if it's great they'll find it and they do, but they won't find it as fast. Yeah. And they won't find as much of it. So um, you know, making it easy and and more approachable and more obvious is really important. Pop-ups, well, we have a really cool strategy that we want to employ. It's just a question of really when um, when the right timing is. I, I'm going to say we'll probably do some of it. Again, it's sort of an extension of what I'm talking about in terms of visiting these specialty stores and creating raving fans, and that's the game plan. Like The game plan is to have everyone be crazy about the brand. Yeah. These visits, they what do they entail? They entail you being there as the kind of – you know, the person behind the brand, everybody's really kind of craving this authenticity and what am I buying into? Right. What do you do when you're visiting? It depends on the, it depends on the setup, but for the most part, we, um, it's just some kind of a selling event where we, or a styling event where we work with the customers and we recommend that, you know, that they try things that they might not normally try. There's usually, it's either a cocktail party. We love doing things, sank a set from five to seven. Oh, Doesn't always work that way. Sometimes we do lunches. We, usually it starts out in the morning where we meet um, the the store team yep. and sort of get them acquainted or better acquainted with the product. And then later in the day, we usually do some sort of customer interaction. And it really, um, again, this is my chance to hear what they have to say. And this is my chance to to get our message across, but also my chance to really listen and um, find out why they don't like, you know, they don't like sheer blouses or they like their bra straps to be covered or there's a million things that they have to say that, and you'd be surprised, like young girls, I mean, all, every age group, you know, they've like, I hate when my bra shows. I'm like, I don't like it either. You know, like, and like, Who we think it's it? okay. Like, oh, well, sometimes like our design team will go, oh, it's not bad. They'll just wear a thin black bra. I'm like, no, they won't. And how do I know that? Because they told me. Right. I mean, it, my instinct is that I don't like it, but just because I don't like it doesn't always mean that, you know, it's, well, usually if I don't like it, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Are you getting a lot of feedback from your whole, your retail partners or, I mean, does again, does it depend? And are you in the mix, kind of training their their associates? Or do you have that access? Um, it depends on the store. I think that we, ha- in some stores, we have our own um, sales team. Oh, great. We, we try our best to, where we can, be a part of the team, so to speak, and, you know, get them acquainted with us and what we do and um, incentivize them either through just goodwill or some kind of program to get behind the brand. Great. 
yeah, there's a lot of conversation on the floor. You've got to be a part of it. Yeah. Are they all wearing your style? Uh, I would say we get a good <laughs> amount of placement on that. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, data-driven design, like you, you know, you know, off-the-shoulder styles are working or to what extent are you designing or rolling out new styles based on what you know about what's selling? To what extent? Anything that sells, we react yeah. to. Yeah. Um, so whether that is a recut or a reimagination of a style, or it could be it could be like a specific style or a specific category. Like we sell black crepe dresses with white top stitch. They sell. So how many different versions of that can we do? And it's not the same dress over and over again. Right. It's different versions of that particular genre of dress. So that's like categorically something that we do really that we pay a lot of attention to. Then we'll get a, well, a top will ship and it flies out the door. How fast can we get back into it? And one of the things we're very good at is reacting to that. And we have a great, what we call a fast track program, where we can quickly get back into the good styles. Um, can we see it? Is it a print? Should it be in a different print? Like we have a dress right now that's in a Python print. Now the, now the struggle is, hmm. Is Python going to be relevant for spring? Is there going to be too much Python on the floor? Have they, will they be sick of Python? What should we? What print should we do it in? Would it be cute and solid? I mean, this is what goes on all day, every day. It's very much a part of our everyday conversation. And what's really great is we can see the data. We can drill down to the store level. Like we can really mm -hmm. see, we can see by store, door. Mm -hmm. We can see by color. We can even see by size if we want to. So we can really drill down. The data is unbelievable. You know, better than I used to have to wait for the buyer to call me on Monday and tell me what she sold. Crying <laughs> <laughs> out loud. Yeah. Tell me about this fast track program. How fast can you can you turn something new out? Or I have a lot of it depends trend. today. Yeah. It depends because it depends on fabric. And if, if it's a repeat style exactly as it was before, which is a reorder in a fabric that we own, it could be four to six weeks. If Great. it's if it's something new, if there's a material change to it, add another couple of weeks. And if we don't have fabric, you're adding a month. Yeah. So it, it there's so many different variables, but we still have a very we have a well-oiled machine. I mean, the thing I, one of the things I'm most proud of that nobody ever gets to see is that we have an amazing infrastructure with um, an, a really great team. My business partner is a, an operations genius great. and has created such a strong platform for everything that we do. And it, we have a great supply chain. We have great suppliers. Um, we have great quality control. This is the reason that the product looks so good on the floor. And we deliver, I think, great value for the price. Yeah. So, Are you sharing resources across team? Does teams? Does every, does Likely and Sinka Set, like everyone's kind of working together and we have separate, a divide? Separate sales team, separate yep. design team. Um, in our product development department, as an example, there are dedicated Likely people and dedicated Sanka set people, but there's one manager. Got it. Um, in our, but in, in our like accounting department, it's all shared. Yeah. So it just depends on the on the department. Certain things can't overlap. Um, certainly, we share information. Certainly, if we hear that tent dresses are the big trend, you know, we're talking about that in both arenas. Um, if pistachio is the big color, do we have it? So from an informational standpoint, there's a lot of sharing. And from a, from a logistically, there's where, where it makes sense, we share. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, as you're moving on to, I guess, more modern marketing strategies, I know we've talked in the past about Fashion Week. You've kind of 
always done something cool in your own thing. Are you still, I don't know, loyal to, to that system? No. <laughs> I'm not loyal to the system, but I have to pay attention to the calendar because it doesn't pay to show when nobody's paying attention. Um, and when I don't show, I have terrible FOMO. So that's, <laughs> that's definitely an issue. You know, we were taken off the CFDA calendar. I don't understand why, but um, but we showed anyway, and it was perfectly fine. I still, it just I, happened. It That's just happened. So wild. Yeah. Well, after the changes this last go round, yeah, it honestly doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But it is what it is, and it doesn't really matter. I don't think. I know yeah. your mouth is wide open. So is mine. I'm so confused. <laughs> yeah, I was confused too. But we just decided to do our own thing, and it worked out well. As far as showing goes, as long as we have something to say and as long as we can provide an experience that's aligned with what we're interested in saying, we'll do it. If we don't, we won't. Um, You know, it's become so influencer-centric. It's, you know, the whole format and the whole focus is so different than what it used to be um, that it's a little confusing to me, to be quite honest. Mm -hmm. But we get a lot of good coverage. We get a lot of good feedback. Um, our retailers really enjoy it. And everybody likes to come. Yeah. You know, so as long as we're doing something that I think is you know, entertaining and people find it interesting and it aligns with what we're doing for the brand, I, I'm all for it. Do I like spending the money? It's like making a wedding twice a year. <laughs> an expensive wedding. But um, we're going to, we'll probably, as of right now, we're planning to show in February. Great. Because we're very excited about what we're doing for fall. So why not? Why not? I've seen some some big influencers at your shows, like Danielle Bernstein. Mm-hmm. Um, do you rely on those girls? Do you work with them regularly? We we have a good relationship with them. They They are organically fans of the brand. Nice. Um, and they have been wearing the brand from the very beginning. We have we we gift them, um, right. and we invite them, and they come. Uh, they have been, I think, for the most part. I mean, all of them have been very supportive. And I mean, all of them, all of them that we have really not all of them, obviously, <laughs> but the you know the ones They're that you see, <laughs> <laughs> the ones you see are have been really really generous with their time. Um, you know, the whole thing, and again, in my opinion, has gotten a little convoluted. But, you know, we'll see what happens. For right now, they're, they've been great supporters. And, you know, they support the retailers, like, you know, Shop Up and Revolve and people that we do business with, they're, you know, very involved with. And so it's sort of a, it all comes together in a really nice way. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's next? Is it, it's kind of streamlining kind of the strategy of the moment. Um, focus on these two brands. Any, I don't know. Any, any chance we'll see men's at new categories beyond? <laughs> um, right now, we are laser focused on our on the two brands that we have. Um, I mean, what we've been able to accomplish in the short time we've been doing this is really, I'm very proud of, of what we've done. I'm very proud of the team. I couldn't say enough about how I feel about my team and how I feel about what, you know, what they have helped to create. If I was going to do something else, and the retailers would love this, it would be something in the modern category, something for women my age. Um, There's not really – when I was younger, before there was a contemporary market, what I wanted to wear was old DKNY. 
at the very beginning. Nice. I couldn't afford it in those days. It was it was a little out of my budget, but boy, did I love it. I used to go to the store in, in London and just like salivate over every single thing. I don't know why in London, but <laughs> it was just the, they had such a beautiful store there. And that vibe, that like kind of cooler, but put together and easy to understand feeling, yeah. I think is something that 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 I could really bring to that marketplace. Um, but and I, you know, like I, all my friends would, I just know what my friends want, and it would be a fun project. That said, yeah, it's. You know, it's a big deal. If to, opening a division today is not just—I used to just open divisions like, "Hey, let's do this," and have the designers work on it. It doesn't work. Right. So you've got to really have a team, and you've got to really, you know, put forth the effort, and you've got to create a brand. And what we've become very skilled at is building brands. So if I was going to do it, I would want to do it that way. And so I don't know. We'll I hope see. we have the preview. You heard it here first. <laughs> and I'll be damned. There's a modern category. We'll have to talk. I didn't even know this. It's like what, it's like it's like Eileen Fisher, Lafayette, one forty-eight, like. They used to call it bridge. Now they call it modern. Right on. <laughs> Learn something new every day. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here, Jane. This Thank is great. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'd like to come back. That's all for this episode. And don't forget that we're offering Glossy Podcast listeners 20% off an annual Glossy Plus membership, giving you unlimited access to fashion and beauty stories. Use the code podcast at checkout. The Glossy Podcast is produced by Pierre Bienname. Please head to the review section on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast to give us a review and tell us what you think. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.